This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. So this is Annie, and I am answering readers' questions, and I have a pretty simple but very, in, like, simply worded but very in-depth question today, and the question is, how do you deal with mental cravings? So the reality of, you know, alcohol use disorder, alcohol abuse, alcohol addiction, whatever you want to call it, is that there's a physical aspect and a mental aspect. And the physical aspect is pretty straightforward, I would say, in terms of you drink alcohol, your body compensates for alcohol by triggering certain things to happen. And then when you take the alcohol away, your body has to rebalance. And the body is super smart, so it can anticipate. So if you're drinking every single day, it will overcompensate for the presence of alcohol on a regular basis. And when you yank the alcohol away, it takes a little while for those processes to go back to normal and for your body to rebalance. So, you know, just like if you're eating like a ton of sugar, and so your body's compensating for the presence of a ton of sugar, and it's pre-compensating, then when you take that sugar away, you're going to feel a crash, right? Or caffeine is another good example. If you're drinking caffeine every single day and you're relying on it to make you feel better, and of course you need more and more of all of these things to feel the same, that's what tolerance is, because your body like adapts to it. And then you take the caffeine away, you could have headaches, you could have tiredness, stuff like that. Now, the reality is that physically alcohol leaves the system. I think the max time is within 72 hours. That rebalancing, though, takes a little bit longer. It can take up to two weeks um, and it can take even longer than that. Totally individual, like by individual is how long it can take. Now, the mental aspect of this is way, way more intense, in my opinion. And that's because we develop a belief that the substance of alcohol is useful to us in one way or another. It's desirable. And those beliefs take a variety of forms. We could believe that alcohol relaxes us, helps us loosen up for sex, makes us more sociable, helps us overcome social anxiety, makes us more creative, makes us a better writer, makes us a better singer, uh, makes it so that we have more fun, makes things more enjoyable, makes us less boring, makes other people less boring, <laughs> makes things more tolerable, numbs your pain on and on and on. And culturally, societally, and experientially, based on our own experience, we have confirmed these beliefs and we see proof of these beliefs in many, many, many different ways. And that's because we have a very boozy culture and a lot because of how alcohol specifically works, which if you want to learn a ton about this, I totally encourage you to join me for the alcohol experiment, which is always free at alcoholexperiment.com. And every single day we go through these beliefs and we deconstruct them, where they came from, why they exist in the first place. And the result of that is that your mental cravings really do disappear. And people can describe it like a magic trick because your perspective on alcohol completely changes. I was actually doing a podcast just last week where a woman, she had been drinking heavily for over a decade and she'd been drinking for more than two decades and tried a lot of stuff. You know, she would go to AA meetings and she'd feel afraid to go in. So she'd sit in her parking lot outside and not actually walk in, but then she'd try other ways and she tried other methods. And then she did the alcohol experiment. And because it does address the mental craving in terms of your beliefs and thoughts about alcohol, she did it 18 months ago and has never had another drink. So it was just literally the 
process of going through every single day I send you a video and an email so again that's always free at alcoholexperiment.com check it out if you have not already even if you're not ready to make a change go through it and just consume the information watch the videos keep drinking you know just get the information it's so important so how do you deal with the mental cravings you deal with the mental cravings by deconstructing why you want it to begin with we don't crave things we don't desire i don't crave drinking motor oil i don't crave even drinking, you know, orange juice <laughs> because like, fine, it tastes okay, but I don't expect it to do anything for me, you know, making me feel really good or really in a certain way. And of course, maybe you love orange juice and so maybe that's a horrible example, but often like we don't crave things that we don't think will provide a benefit. So in a nutshell, and the simplest way to say it is how do you deal with mental cravings? Well, you deconstruct all of the reasons that you believe that alcohol is beneficial. Now here's the kicker. Some of those reasons are conscious. You totally hear them in your head. You're like, oh yeah, I believe this. And some of them are not conscious. They're just things that you believe, like you believe, you know, snow is cold or the sky is blue. You literally just believe them. They are kind of, uh, you, you see the world through this belief, but it's like you have lenses on and you're not even aware that you're wearing lenses. And when you have these subconscious beliefs, they can be a little bit more difficult to deconstruct, which is another reason I would recommend doing something like the alcohol experiment, because then you can go through, and I have literally gone through and said all of the beliefs that I can possibly find. I wrote my whole long list on my own of literally dozens and dozens of beliefs, and then I went and surveyed and asked people all of the reasons that they drank. And I mean, there are some reasons that people drink that... I would never have even thought of, you know, people really believe that alcohol helps them fall asleep at night, right? That wasn't something I was drinking for. But once I thought of it, I was like, oh yeah, I bet there was an aspect of that for me too, because I would be drinking right up until the time I fell asleep. I bet there was some nervousness about that, just lying in bed by myself at night. Would I sleep? Would I not, would I not sleep? But it wasn't a conscious belief for me, but it definitely, I'm sure, contributed to how much I was drinking. So again, you have two levels of belief, conscious and subconscious. And until you go through and really define what those beliefs are, where they came from, why you believe them in the first place, and then do the work in order to say, are these true or not? And I explain this work in two different forms, right? And that would be external and internal. And I've actually developed a technique called the ACT technique. It stands for awareness, clarity, and turnaround. And clarity, when we're looking at a belief, especially a subconscious belief, or one that we just see the world through, one that we really believe is true. Subconscious can either be you don't hear it, you're not aware of it. But I also think there's an aspect here of you just you just believe it. You just feel like, no, that's true. No, any, I know that alcohol is more fun. I'm sure of that. Or I know that alcohol helps me relax. I'm sure of that. If you, if you hear yourself saying that, then that's a very strong belief. And so the process that we go through is clarity and that is inter internal, which is like, okay, let's take that belief. Is it really true for you? And there's a whole series of questions we go through. And externally, let's look at it kind of empirically, scientifically, objectively. Let's see if it's externally really true for you. So if we were looking at something like alcohol relaxes me, it might be questions like, okay, internally, are you more or less relaxed the next day? And I know for me, I was less relaxed. Am I more or less relaxed having drank as much as I'm drinking these days? Like at this stage in my life versus a few years ago, I was less relaxed. 
Uh, and there's a whole series of questions to say internally, I know it feels in the moment like I'm relieving my stress because alcohol does have a numbing factor, but am I really? And then there's external questions, which is like, okay, physiologically, what does alcohol do to the body? Neurologically, what does alcohol do to the brain? Let's really dig into the science and the research and the tests and the studies and find out, oh, oh, interesting. Alcohol actually causes the body to release cortisol. Cortisol is the stress hormone. Hmm. And that's one of just dozens of different examples that I would provide for you through the alcohol experiment or through either of my books, The Snake and Mind or The Alcohol Experiment, where we go into these very specific external beliefs. So how do you overcome mental cravings, which by the way, keep us far more stuck than physical cravings ever do. There are instances where physical cravings are very, very bad and very, very dangerous. And if you're concerned, that might be you. Talk to your doctor, 100%. You do not want to get yourself into a situation where you're having withdrawal symptoms that you can't handle. But for most people, that's not the case. In fact, according to the CDC, only 10% of excessive drinkers, so people who drink excessively, only 10% of them are chemically or clinically addicted to alcohol. And only a fraction of that 10%, which again is 10% of only the excessive drinkers, so a very, very small percentage of the overall population, are going to have serious withdrawal symptoms to the point where it's dangerous. But always err on the side of caution if you are concerned about that at all absolutely talk to your doctor. There's no reason not to get the advice and the help that you need in that regard. But the physical aspects, they pass in a few days. Physically, you're not going to crave alcohol physically within a week of your last drink, maybe two at most. Emotionally, mentally being triggered by certain situations, certain calendar events, maybe it's your birthday, maybe it's New Year's Eve, maybe it's Halloween, certain expectations that you have about five o'clock every day or happy hour, all of those things are mental. And those things overcome those sorts of cravings. It really is going into the beliefs. Okay, why is it that I think alcohol makes Halloween better? than it would be otherwise. Why is it that I think alcohol makes New Year's Eve better than it would be otherwise? Why is it that I think alcohol is necessary to celebrate? Why is it so tied up with celebration in the first place? Where did that come from? And is it internally true? Does it actually help me celebrate? Do I feel better when I get wasted on my birthday or do I feel worse? Am I more present with my friends or less present? Do I remember the amazing celebration or do I not? And then externally, you know, does it actually contribute to celebration? Well, no, it actually numbs our senses. And so eventually everything feels the same. It feels the same to be drunk at a birthday party as it does to be drunk at home in front of Netflix as it does to be drunk at a hockey game. And so we go through this process of really discovering that and that, going through that process. And I know it sounds like work. It is a little bit of work, but it's work that is so, so, so worth it because those mental cravings, that's where we get stuck. It's not as much in the physical. We think it's physical. It's not. It's the mental stuff. It is the mental cravings is where we get really stuck when it comes to changing our relationship with alcohol and finding freedom. So that is how you overcome mental cravings. Hi, it's Annie Grace. I wanted to interrupt this podcast, or I guess the end of this podcast, to say that if you are totally serious about actually, truly, and forevermore transforming your relationship with alcohol, really leaving it behind in the rear view mirror for once and forevermore and changing your psychology about it, 
we have a program called The Path that is created specifically for you. Now, it's not for you if you just, you know, are still dabbling or still trying to figure out where you want to be or, you know, maybe even still want to moderate. All those things are fine. But if you are beyond that and you're like, no, I just want to be done with this. I'm ready to invest some time and I'm ready to just make this happen. I want you to check out nakedmindpath.com and join us in the path where you can truly make this lasting change you want in your life. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.